Welcome to Mystics and Broomsticks Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. <laughs> I was going to see if you were going to start this one. <laughs> just wanted to give it just a beat just to see. <laughs> I knew what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I just, I, I don't, I don't mind doing it. Not even a little bit, but every now and then I'm like, do I need to, am I, am I being, you know, am I being like that guy? Should, is it too much? Am I being too much? So it's I just a like definite to- roll. It's a roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, we decided that a good conversation for us to have today was about jealousy and envy. And okay, so the reason I'm excited about this always, for one, I just love talking to you, um, but is I I feel like sometimes we categorize certain human experiences or emotions or whatever as negative, but really they're functional. So for instance, you and I have talked about anger and, you know, sacred rage and how anger is a messenger and like essentially like that there's a purpose behind anger. And instead of us resisting anger, running from anger, that um, we should get curious about anger and all this stuff. And so I feel like there's something to jealousy too, because I think jealousy is something that we can universally all, um, everybody's experienced jealousy. Like I, so, okay actually fun story (laughs) Scorpios are infamously the archetype of Scorpios are infamously known for being jealous so there's a lot of memes out there about how uh, jealous your Scorpio partner can be and it's really funny because I don't experience jealousy in a relationship to the point that I actually find it unrelatable when my friends talk about feeling jealous of their partner or someone, you know, was like creeping on their partner or whatever. I haven't felt jealous of my partner since, and I swear to God, I was 20 years old. I was with a guy when I was 20 and I did feel a a lot of jealousy around him and other women and stuff. And then I kind of, we ended up breaking up and I was like, never again. I refuse. That was way too much stress. That was way too much drama. I refuse. Basically, if um, you are giving me reason to feel jealousy, like I'm, I'm out is essentially kind of what my brain did. And from that point, I never felt jealous in a relationship again. So I have a really hard time relating to these like Scorpio memes. However, there is of course the however, because I'm like, are you just being in denial though? Like, are you just, are you jealous without thinking you're jealous? And, um, And so I do get jealous of I do get jealous, but it's not in the context of a relationship. I get jealous of people's accomplishments. I get jealous of their work productivity. I get jealous of <laughs> people's success. I get jealous of people's like aesthetic or their ability to be organized. Like anyways, I do get jealous, but it's a, it's just not in a in a relationship context. And it can be um annoying <laughs> to be jealous. I don't want to be jealous. That doesn't yeah. feel that doesn't feel like it's productive. What do you so when you say you experience jealousy, what does it feel like for you? Like take us into your brain. You mm. saw someone who has more accomplishments than you that you, you wanted to have those. Where do you go? I'm inferior. I, I have such oh. a fucking inferiority, superiority complex. Like everybody needs to be, and I hate this about myself. And it's not, it's not like um 
I don't know how to explain this. I call, I am aware of it, so therefore it is not. Uh, I know it's not real or true, yeah. but it happens by default. It's a pattern I have to consciously override. But my patterning wants to organize people in a way where you are more superior and you are less superior. And I will categorize myself accordingly. I'll be like, oh, I am, you know, less than that person then. Oh, and I, okay. if I could like, you know, delete a feature, <laughs> I could like yeah. take out the Tanya programming and delete a feature, probably that would be the yeah. biggest one I would I would take out. Because that's the, it's it's one that I definitely have to override like regularly because there's so many ways, not just jealousy and envy wise, but there's so many ways you can categorize people as being better or less than. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it just gets really uh, tiresome having to override that programming. <laughs> and all the switching around with everything they do is like, oh, you were here. Now oh, yeah. Here. You're better. Now you're worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's very annoying. I don't like it. Uh, would, would 10 out of 10 would delete. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't like that. I'll share about my jealousy experiences. So for me, it's always like something is being taken away from me. Uh, so I would have that oh, relationship. No. I have, have had that relationship uh, in the past where it's like you're constantly on the lookout. Who's going to steal this from me? So I have a real strong abandonment wound. So it would be depending on kind of your wounding that you have. But for me, it's... Um, it becomes like life or death almost like the, if, if I suspect or think something, someone's trying to steal something from me um, and I get activated in that programming, I'm not saying that's happening all the time, but it used to, but now I, there's more space between it. Um, but I'll get like the rush of blood. I actually think that's what kept me so skinny. <laughs> so my heart rate, I would have like the full fight or flight response and just like sit in it. And then my brain would like show me more and I'd sit in it more. And it becomes almost like an addiction to that rush that you experience from that level. But I, I think that would only come with like abandonment rejection wound. So I can see how yours is like systematically annoying where mine was like, well, keeping me in good shape. But really probably really hard on my uh repair cycle for my body um I have joked that if I am thin I am not well like yes. if I go through like if I go through my history and I look at the time where I was like thin or really in shape as some people you know put it yeah I am not doing well like right my mental health and my body like my body likes to be a good mid like it's like you know little little bit of squish little bit of cushion you know, I know what I know what it looks like when it's happy, and uh, definitely when I'm thin, it's not happy. But damn it, you get so many compliments. Damn our toxic society, right? But I wonder it's, what that is so too, because I was I was just thinking about that because I've been the same, virtually same weight, but different sort of ways it's appeared on my body, mm -hmm. and now I'm more squished. But I also turned into my 40s three years ago. Oh my God, it's going to be four years in March. Um, oh, that's so a good number. Four, four. Four, four. You get to be four, four in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Friend, uh, I love that for you. Are you jealous? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh God. Yeah. So I like, I, I was looking back and I'm like, is it just because I, I would feel like in the last four, four or five years, I'm in the most stable, um, steady, 
self-love uh, place in my life, despite shit wanting to stir it up, I it's not really, really happening. I'm doing a lot of work behind the scenes. And um, I, I noticed that I am hanging on to that little bit of weight. And before I could just like will it away, or probably I'd just go look for a reason to be jealous in this like internal <laughs> heat it away. <laughs> like, like I just got to trigger myself and then I can be skinny. Yes. Yes. <laughs> A hundred percent. Because when I do get triggered, I'm like, ooh, this feels like it burns a lot of calories. <laughs> Seriously, though. <laughs> oh, I guess we all deal with stress in, in our different ways. But my stress is definitely like I stop eating and I I yeah, I just, yeah, worry. And that probably does like your brain does burn calories. So it's it is a thing. Yeah, it's uh, like. The idea of thermogenesis is like 100% happening when that happens. I can feel my whole body. It's like a being in a sauna with no outside heat. I was I was going to say something while you're talking about how uh, jealousy triggers your abandonment wounds. Because I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, because my wound is I'm not good enough. Yeah. Which is the on the inferiority superiority scale, right? Hmm. So interesting. So, okay, then what do you feel like there is a productive like reason for jealousy? Like, do you think oh, that? Yes. Okay. Please. Well, hundred percent. All uh, right. <laughs> Indulge on me. my, on my path to the best shape of my life. I really did a, like a lot of watching what made me respond and why. So I think that jealousy on the surface is just taking us into a, a far older wound inside the body. So if um, like, Okay, so I have blonde hair. Uh, my my stepsister has be- she's dark skin, beautiful dark hair, and I'm just like, why can't I have that? You know. Um, and then it's like that. Oh well, I have to be all the things, or people will leave me. So there there's always aspects of myself that I kept trying to change and chameleon just in order to receive love, trying to predict what people needed instead of actually building love inside myself. Because at all times, people are leaving at all times. You cannot Mm. stop it. And so for an abandonment wound, who I was really looking for to not leave me was me. Every time I kept trying to be something else, do something more, I was abandoning myself every time and revalidating that abandonment wound. So for me, jealousy or however I get triggered, I go to the base emotion. I'm like, okay, what am I feeling? And then when was the first time I felt this way? And you may be taken back like to your five years old or 12 years old, something, right? And That is actually what I'm trying to resolve. It's not what is happening now. It's that. And I need to go back there and be there for myself. Um, I want to talk about inner child too, to touch on that. But that's my answer to that is it it 100% has a a purpose. purpose. And it's just directing us back into be that for ourselves. Mm, that's so interesting and so that would be your and that's like a such a that's a very classic Melanie answer too about the when was the first time I feel no it's good it's because repetition is key guys we gotta because you know how many times you have to hear it before you integrate it like a lot Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um so it's like a like management because I've got like a little like my inquiry I guess was how to manage jealousy because I feel like sometimes for for some people too what I've noticed and people talking about okay this is I think the advantage of having a Capricorn moon I feel things 
but I, I still stay the boss. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's very rare for me to lose myself in my feelings. It happens. I am a human being, of course, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. but it actually is not common for me to lose track of myself for my emotions. However, what I have observed about humans is this is not thematic. No. <laughs> so yeah. people lose themselves in their emotions quite a bit. I actually had to learn that. Like, I think you do you, like as a little person, right? You just, you kind of like come into the world assuming everyone thinks and experiences life exactly the way you do. And then you'd spend life figuring out, Oh, that is not the case. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, sometimes I'm really bad for helping people to manage emotional experiences because I kind of, I don't have to like, I, 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 uh, and that's, uh, some of my challenge as well though, is I don't, I don't mm-hmm. alchemize emotions very well for the same reason. So yeah. it's a gift and a curse, you know, I, I'll, I accept though, cause it, it does, it's very handy, like to be able to like keep your chill when, you know, shit's going sideways is a, is a true gift, honestly. But, um, uh, so sometimes though my coping mechanisms don't translate into, uh, helpful solutions for people mm-hmm. that feel like who, who are, um, more consumed by emotion. Yeah. yeah my- and I, I, so I think that for the way I manage it, how do I feel? When was the first time I felt this way? That's for the people who have spent their whole lives trying to feel other people's feelings and disregarding mm-hmm. their own. So that's like, for me, that's mm-hmm. the, I, and I, I hadn't actually thought that it was, I thought it was applicable to everybody, but now listening to you, I can see it's applicable to people who have spent their whole life reading into every situation and trying to manage the situation from an energetic standpoint, you lose yourself a hundred percent of the time. I think it is applicable to, to I think that's yeah. Ri- yeah, I do. I think most, if not, like maybe not everybody, like uh, I don't know if anything applies to everybody, but I feel like that's a useful, that's a really highly diverse tool. Like as in, I think that a lot of people can take that and use it um, because mine is less. Like I, I'll say what I do, but I don't think it's going to be, yours is way more helpful to more people. Mine will be helpful to like 4%, <laughs> but I'll still say it because... They're listening. <laughs> um. But mine is usually just asking myself, like, you know, because, okay, so when I go through, I see, I experience jealousy, I see someone and I go, wow, they are way more successful than me. They are obviously better than me. People like them more than me. Like this, I go into, you know, I'm not good enough and I am inferior. Yeah. And so my battling for that is usually, is that true? Is that yeah. true though? Uh, like, is that, is that factual? Is that person, you know, are they more likable than you or, you know, are they, um, are they better than you? You know what I mean? And, and it's almost like asking myself, is that true? Is it sort of makes it silly. Like, it's like, well, no, they're not better than me. Like they're, they're doing something and people like that and that's fair and that's allowed kind of a thing. Or, or, um, (laughs) even with, uh, and even if they are, okay, so I can think of this. There's this one musician I really struggle with. Um, I struggle with her success, despite the fact that I'm actually a huge fan. <laughs> like, I think she's, I think she's amazing. Is this um, Taylor I, Swift? No, I'm not going <laughs> to say who it is because she is a Canadian artist and it's just a little too close to home. And uh, <laughs> uh, and I want to be as honest about the conversation as it can be. So she is someone who I know and met. She's like an industry, like almost like a coworker, I guess. 
anyways, she is, um, she's just doing such a, a great job of, uh, in her career and she is experiencing things in her career that I never got to experience in mine. And so watching her succeed is really hard for me because she and I have had a very similar path and I just kind of flubbed where she's kind of not. And we even had, cause I even had like the story of like, Oh, well, you know, I had kids and that really stuck a wrench in things, but she had kids too. So I was like, cool. So she's like just succeeding despite all of the same hurdles, like perceivably. Right. And I would say objectively, I'd say she's more talented than I am. Like, so when I go, you know, is, is this true? And so I'd be like, yeah, she's a better singer than you. It's, and then it's like, and then it kind of comes down to like, and so what? Like, there's always right? going to be someone better than you. So for me, it's like the truth and, and sort of like factualizing everything. It, it just sort of goes... I, I almost like de-emotion things, which again, is not, that's not going to work for everybody, but it just goes, you know what? Even if she is a better singer than you, even if she's more talented than you, yeah, so what? Because there's just going to be people that that are better than you at some things. And that's that's allowed. That's okay. And that is impossible to avoid. Like you're always going to have someone better than you. And so sometimes when I see her stuff, I just go, yes, she's better than you. And that's okay. And and again, not from the, in, like, I know she's not better than me as like a human being. Mm -hmm. Again, that's the logic part, right? I can deduce that. But it's like, it's it's okay. It's okay that she was better at that job than I I am what's wrong with that, I guess, is kind of, and, and, and it's, I, sometimes I even self-soothe and go, you know what? It's okay that you feel jealous of her. That's okay too. Like, it's okay that, so it just, I don't know. Yeah. It's sort of, um, it works down to, I don't deny the truth, I guess. It's just going, you know what? Is she better than you? Yeah. Okay. That hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's, that's okay. That's a lot. Lots of permissions, I guess, is yeah. kind of a, a way I'm that really I deal curious. with things. So um I'm like, you, mm, it's it, not a great way to deal with things. No, but it makes me <laughs> some wonder. <people. laughs> I'm so curious. It, it actually made me wonder and brought me back into the inner child stuff because I think we all get kind of a view of like your inner child is letting yourself go play, having joy, you know, like giving yourself extra love. But what I've seen a lot of people's inner child is that motherfucker wants to spaz out. It's the one that wants to run away. It's the one that shuts down. That's mm -hmm. actually the inner child in us coming out. And so when you, um, and, and for us not to abandon ourselves. So like for me, I would, cause emotional irregularity in my household growing up was like the theme. So mm -hmm. we'd all have our big spike and then come down and then there would be shame uh, for, oh, I didn't manage. I didn't, I never learned how to manage those emotions. I'm only learning in like my late thirties, forties, how to manage these emotions. Um, so I'm so curious to know how you kind of were like modeled how to manage your emotions or maybe you were even like, I see kids nowadays, their parents are like giving them like, for the first time ever at Christmas, I gave my kids, my kid space to have his own emotion without feeling like he had to make me happy about it. And I was like, man, that was huge. I should have been doing this since they were young, but I, I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the tools. Um, so for you and the way you manage it, and when you have to say, is it true? It's because when we look at it through the eyes of the little person, 
they don't really have a lot to compare to. Is it true? Right. But we can do that as adults and see, okay, yeah, but it doesn't make me less than like this mm-hmm. in this aspect. Yes. Um, so if you do uh, feel open enough to share, how did you grow <laughs> up? <laughs> what was emotions like in your house? Um, I feel like, uh, especially compared to a lot of what I see, I don't know, maybe it's just the algorithm, but, um, I think I was really privileged to grow up the way that I did because, um, my mom grew up in a really unsafe and unhealthy environment. And she essentially was like, I'm not doing that. And, um, I think that despite natural limitations she had, she really tried hard to, um, make really big changes. And she did, um, compared to what her mom did. Uh, I, whether this was through parenting or just the way that I am, and I I don't know this, the answer to this, um, but I'm a, I'm a person who always went to by myself to feel my feelings. And I still do that. And the reason I say I'm not sure if that's like nature or nurture is because that is also very on brand for a Scorpio. It's very on brand for a Capricorn. So, and I have a Scorpio stellium and a Capricorn moon. So I'm very Scorpio Capricorn coded. And that's very like privacy in your uh, feelings is a very, it's very on brand for that type of thing. So I would identify as someone who feels privately. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I would say... I don't really remember much as a kid growing up. Like I, there's no, uh, but I, like, like I would want to tell you as a kid, I didn't really tantrum. Like mm-hmm. that's what I'd tell you. And uh, it's not, I, I know that I did like mm-hmm. have my moments and stuff, but I definitely would go seek the solitude to go in. Like I would be the kid that would be like, that's not fair or whatever. And then go cry in my room by myself kind of right. a thing. But um, you never got told like, or punished for emotions because that's typically like what I've seen and kind of what I've been researching is that when we have these explosive emotions, it's because we never ever learned how to properly manage them because our parents never learned how to manage them. And yeah, um, that's a, that's a big one to be able to just go take space. Like that's a pretty, it's a pretty forward, uh, big brain move. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a big brain. (laughs) No, um, (laughs) I, if I were going to like critique or, or whatever, something from my, my parents, more specifically my mom and my mom just gets the heat of it because she was the present parent. My dad just wasn't around. So, um, but I would say the only thing that my mom did was she really like, it was really like, you're making me feel this way. Like I felt, I felt I did feel responsible for her remote, her emotional experience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, you work like it's, I don't know. I, it's hard to hold that against her knowing how much she changed. Like, you know, we talk about cycle breakers, I guess. And I see a lot of millennials repping the cycle breakers. I would say my mom did the bulk oh, of yeah. the work in the cycle breaking. And I'm still doing some work, I think, between what I experienced and like, I guess what I'm prioritizing in my role as parent based on some of the things I experienced as a kid is I'm just making sure my kids, um, trying to make sure my kids have language for their feelings. Like, 
oh, you're feeling angry. Like I try to talk my kid through like, what does that feel like in your body? He's still a little young to Mm -hmm. uh, be able to work through some of those things. Um, And then a big one is telling my kid, I'm sorry when I got mad. And my mom did do that. Uh, Maybe not all the time, but she did do it. Like I can remember moments where she came to model it. Yeah. Yeah, Enough to, to, and then I just say, I'm like, quadrupling it like just like if I go you know or if my my kid for instance I had like a little temper tantrum the other day and I had my period so I was a little more sensitive than usual and I just all I did was go like ah like you know one of those moments because they were driving me nuts yeah and and they were both crying and then finally I lost it too and then Cashin like a little while later he's like mom we're all happy now I was like, and I had all like long forgotten that this occurred, right? I was like, what? Okay. And he's like, yeah, like Fox is happy and I am happy and you Aww. are happy and we're all happy now. And I was like, oh, right, right. Celebrating. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got mad. I'm That's sorry I got so angry. Cute. And uh yeah, and he's really good, like about coming down. Uh he's got a temper. Ooh, ooh. My my husband, <laughs> my husband had a temper as a kid. Anyways, he's he's spicy, and he comes, but he comes down and he says, "I'm sorry, I got angry, mom." And it's just so I do think there's something going on there that's good. But yeah, yeah, I I would say I just felt responsible for how my mom felt. Now whether she imposed that, whether I took that on of my own little childness accord, I don't know. Um, and so I'm trying to I'm trying to do things that make sure my kids know that I'm responsible for my emotions. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, like I try not to use the sentence like you're making me mad. Instead, I I say I feel angry. And it's yeah. just like maybe that slight language distinction that is um like, you know, mommy's getting frustrated instead of like mm-hmm. you're making me frustrated. Just just trying to change like those little things. Yeah, I wonder how that'll work in the grand scheme of things. Like, it'll be curious to see um, the the millennium millennial cycle breakers uh, are there because at some point we were given the space and and you know like we we have the uh, audacity to take up enough space to be cycle breakers and that came from somewhere. So I I do think that all of us touting that we're cycle breakers is. There, there was a gift somewhere, even if you can't see it, there was a gift that 100%. was given by the previous generation um, that they didn't have, you know? Um, I, I think as rough as your as your parent-child relationship is, even if it's adult-child, um, there are always gifts. But again, like Tanya, you and I have talked about this, the relationship between a parent and an adult-child becomes more of... Um, uh, what did you say? How did you say it? It's more of a choice. You, like you, you need to yeah. show up. <laughs> you need to well, not be your shit self and show up for an adult parent and yeah, yeah. for or sorry, an adult child. Yeah, mm. because you have a you have a fully formed adult with fully formed opinions and yeah, like you, it is different. It's it's a navigating. Um. Like something I kind of want to do, I don't know if I'll do this, but I, I saw this and I was like, oh, maybe that just speaks to my heart. <laughs> but there was a, a TikTok someone made about their dad and I was like, I just damn near made me cry. I thought it was so sweet. But what he does is, uh, I think he had four kids, so that's a lot of work <laughs> that he was doing. But one of his kids is really into books. So he always reads up 
book out of the genre that is kid, like basically has almost like a little book club with this one kid. And that's actually all I can remember from this fucking TikTok. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like that's what each, you wanted. <laughs> each kid. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, but each kid, uh no, I still liked, oh no, and the other one might have been music. Um, lit would he'd listen to an album that, that from this kid's favorite artist. So each kid, he basically like went, What's what are you interested in? I'm gonna do that. Um, so that I have something I can talk to you about that, you know, you find really engaging. And I'm like, that is top tier parenting. <laughs> like, yeah. Because that's top-tier like your relationshiping. Absolutely. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's honestly, that's hard to do because uh, I think anyways, because if you are not naturally interested in what your kids mm-hmm. are interested in, that's just you being interested in something you're not interested in. Like, that's hard to do. And I say that because I, of course, my kids are little right now, right? But, like, my kid is, I got, I went to the thrift store and found this, The I didn't find it, my kid found it, and I agreed to it. But he Mm -hmm. found this big bag of, like, army men and, like, tanks and trucks. And, like, anyways, I bought this thing. It was $4. It's the best $4 I've ever spent. This kid... Like both of them just obsessed with this pile of little army men. And I actually mostly bought it for my husband who has said, expressed like he's like, I want those little green army men. I had them when I was a kid. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? This is just a win all around. I bought this thing and they are obsessed. They love it. And then just by happenstance, my father-in-law bought my kids these like planes from the same sort of era and um and so they have just they're just like obsessed it's a p51 mustang because cashton's kept (laughs) coming up to me a p51 mustang mom it's a p50 so i have no interest in war i have no interest in planes i like i have none but if my kid is like you know 25 and that's what he's interested in i'm gonna have to fucking get interested real fast if i want to have a conversation with him that he's excited about yeah um, and, and just wait till then that happens. And then they're like, oh, you're so cringe. Well, <laughs> hey, no, but that's real because I oh. have seen my parents try to be interested yeah. in what, and I, I'm like, I don't know. It's just not hidden, but I think the it's difference, inauthentic, right? Like that's it. Yeah. It's like, you have to, yeah. you have to be into it. You have to find something that you are also could be into, you know, yes, like, or have genuine questions around or something. I, like, I don't know what yeah. it is, but I think I struggle because my parents in the past have very openly criticized spirituality and like psychics and all this stuff. So sometimes when there's like interest shown, it feels almost like patronizing, like kind of like, Oh, what did Santa bring you this year? Like you still have the old. Yeah. Yeah. And so it feels a little, it feels kind of false. Um, like I actually don't mind when my my dad asks me questions because he's openly skeptical with me, and I'd I'd rather that I'd yeah. rather you just say like I don't believe in this bullshit, but tell me more about it. Like that's kind of how my dad asks mm-hmm. me, and I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, and I can I can I can vamp off that, um, but. Uh, when it's sort of this, like, oh, what does what does this do? What magic does this possess? It right. just feels a little bit like condescending. Mm. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I struggle. I'm like, well, you don't really think that there is. Do you, do you yeah. think that it's that, or is she changing? Mm, I don't know. At yeah. this point, I believe. Uh, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe she's being condescending. Not at all. I just believe 
she it's uh and she's trying so hard bless bless you mom yeah i see your effort okay i guess like, um, just a little like like you're a little kid and woo. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's just like fake enthusiasm. Um, yeah, I uh I don't I don't know. I I like I don't know how I would, you know, I I think it's a tricky situation. Like basically being I just think being my parent would be hard. <laughs> so, you know, hats yeah. off to my parents. <laughs> I think I I I validate parenting is hard, but I also um like my my oldest is 21. I think that if if you prioritize connection with them above yeah. all, like you really have to, I think that this shows up very early for parents. You have to set your ego aside. <laughs> and 100%. I think that that's the first lesson that you learn as a parent. And if you hold that lesson, that you continually put your ego aside in lieu of connection with your kid, Mm-hmm. like at some point you're at least like getting some of them right but if 100%. you continue to say well you have to do this this and this in order to receive yeah. my love that's not gonna work <laughs> it's not gonna yes. work when they build a family and have people around them that are you know loving them conditionally unconditionally I should say like holding them accountable but still fully loving them if you're someone who is a parent who's like you know, you have to fit into this box as a child or you do have to take care of my feelings and your ego's in the way. I, I think you're going to have a very inauthentic, maybe it, on the outside it looks loving, but I think you're going to have a very inauthentic relationship where one person doesn't feel seen. It's hollow. Yeah. 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 And I, you know what I think too, just I like I truly believe this, but you said, you know, that something like it has to go above all else. Like that relationship. Above has to be first. All. I don't even think it does. I think, yeah. I don't think it's that unattainable. I actually just think it needs to be a priority period. So yeah. it, you know, I, I feel like as long as you've got that relationship with your adult kid, like mixed up into the priority shuffle, mm-hmm. you're good. It doesn't have to be like the one and only, I think that can actually get messed up in its own dynamic, <laughs> but I just think it has to just be in the mix where you are actually, you know, sitting there. Like you should be an adult person thinking, hmm, I wonder what's a good way to like have a a good moment with my kid right now. And maybe you get them in on that conversation. Um, But I just think that that's kind of part of it and not necessarily just through like your own motivations of like, well, I want to feel better in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that that can be another kind of like, it's like, Ooh, you're so close, so close to building that connection. Yeah. But really it's just, you want to feel better in the relationship. That's still not going to work. Like it's, it's, uh, it's an investment and it reflects, it reflects that investment. I think. Yeah. I think when I say above all else is like, I did honestly, am not like pining for my kids 24 seven. I am. So I'm the mom that is like, I see these little like tiny two-year-olds or whatever. And I'm like, God, I just love you at that stage. I wish I could have been a better mother for you at that stage, you know, all the way through. But I am, I have thoroughly enjoyed being every step of the way. And I'm thoroughly mm. enjoying watching them become adults. When I say you have to set your ego aside above all else is like when it comes to 
them having a tantrum. When I haven't done that, I have fractured the relationship a hundred percent where I am the one who is supposed to hold the steady calm. Yeah. You know, it's you're still, not you're still the parent. Yeah. Like you're always the parent. Yes. yes. And so anytime that kind of comes up and I feel pushed away or I feel rejected by them, that's mm-hmm. my ego. Mm-hmm. It, it, there is, you don't meet any kids really like that are truly say, I don't love my parents. Or I don't ever, I never, I never wanted yes. my parents love. Right. Yeah. So that like, to, to just hold that in my heart and be like this, they're coming back, they're coming back and hold steady for them. I think that's the best thing we could ever do as parents is like in those times of where they're having emotions that are impacting us as human beings is like, yeah. you got to have your own people. You can't lean on your kids. You can't make it yeah. them. Um, so I, for me, that's like how I've changed my parenting um, mm-hmm. as like generationally come down and, obviously something was done differently to me that I can choose that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so hard. (laughs) There are just these people out there that are doing different things and you you have them when they're little and they do, they love everything you do. They think you're a superstar. (laughs) And all of a sudden you gradually turn into a piece of shit. It's oh, really good. Like, my, my kids already have the piece of shit mentality. I just don't know. Oh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I went to uh, my one-year-old was awake in his crib this morning and I, I went in there and he goes, daddy. And I was oh. like, mommy. And he's like, no. And then I went and reached for him and he dodged my arms. And I'm like, cool. I will be humbled. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like, Still gotta feed you. (laughs) Like the way that I have had to overcome my ego just in the first, you know, three to four years here is, uh, yeah, I'm like, like, I guess just, yeah, I'm going to be eroded to nothing by the time I, you know, I'm done raising these children. Like, I know it. I'm like, I will have, I will have a flicker of what ego was. Yeah. Because I've had to, I've, I've been humbled hard by my I think that's why we have children. uh, Because I hate it. Just have to learn how to manage that. Yeah. It it is. It it is like, it shouldn't be this way. It will. It's, it's just so thankless and so yeah. like savage. Like they're just, they are so, savages. Oh, and they're so cutthroat. And you're like, yeah. allow me to just go, you know, cry inwardly because I don't have real tears to cry. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just, uh, mm, if I could yeah. go back and warn myself about what parenthood is going to look like. So here's the thing I will say this. I believe that parenting has made me a better person truly and authentically. Like I am a better person now than I was five years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drastically. I would, I would dare say, I I think I'm much more emotionally intelligent. I think I'm more aware of my own feelings and how I can like leak my feelings or, or impose my feelings on other people, which I think I'm much more responsible for at this point. Um, there are many things I can say that I have, you know, I have grown as a person. Most of it has been against my will, but I have done it. <laughs> and um, there's that. But being a parent is so intense and so challenging and you just don't get a choice. And I think I was just so used to, like I was given as a kid, that, that would be a, a gift, a privilege that I got from my parents was I was almost always given a choice. Yeah. And um, I am not used to the lack of autonomy 
And, um, and also just, uh, it's really hard for me when they're so irrational, <laughs> like when I make a yeah. very reasonable suggestion or compromise or what, and they're just like, and they're kids, like this is literally like their job is to be irrational, but yeah. Anyways. Um, and, and then the amount of worry, like last night I had to take drugs to go to sleep because I couldn't stop thinking about how I would save my children from a shark oh, no. attacking them yeah. a shark attacking my children do you know how many times we've been in the ocean zero right, yeah <laughs> and i'm like mm. sitting there going like how would i save them what if they were both too far for me and like right. how would i inter you know what i oh yeah oh yeah, so like when mine like even as they're bigger i i was like okay in case of a fire where how do I get there? Blah blah blah. You know, like you're planning out yeah. the, the the and you road and you had and, two oh my god. I'm like yeah. I would have to do weightlifting to carry these kids because combined right yeah. now they are one and three and they are a combined weight of a hundred pounds. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how the fuck am I rescuing these kids if I have to carry both of them? We're gonna have to train them to be runners. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to start lifting some serious yeah. weights. Like I'm like so motivated to just start lifting weights because I'm like I need to be strong. I need oh, to be yeah. strong in case I gotta carry these kids out of somewhere because they're yeah. only gonna get bigger. It's real. it's real. Yeah, the the fears are real, and that's like that's the part of ourselves that creeps up. The worst case scenario guy always like making making his way into your sleep Rude. time. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, always less, sleep time. Hey? Less medication. That's all I can say. Yeah. What are you taking? I don't know how to say the one. So I I have one I take daily, and it's like Escalade Pram something. I don't know what that <laughs> one is. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. And then the uh, Lorazepam Lorazepam is what I take when uh, and I just take it very infrequently because it is addictive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I only take that one when I am sitting there and having unreasonable intrusive thoughts that right. are keeping me from going to sleep. And then I'll take that one, which I is thankfully a, not that often. I asked you because I developed in college, I developed an addiction to gravel to put myself to sleep at night. Oh, yeah. I started, I never knew it was addicting. It just kind of started out like here and there. And then I noticed I was like doing it every night and it was really it was really easy and really hard to quit at the same time. Like I just mm-hmm. decided I wasn't, but I would sit there and be like, I'd be asleep by now if I had my gravel, you know, like you could, mm-hmm. I, I did it, but I couldn't touch gravel for a very long time. I can now without any, um, like uh, sometimes I'll take it to go flying, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it really crept up on me and it was kind of scary. I, um, I have, so with the, with the lorazepam, the it has sort of like a, a whiplash effect so if you if i say if i had it three nights in a row the fourth night and probably the fifth night i'll almost be insomniac so i'm very motivated to not take it yeah <laughs> many times because it is you do just become very dependent on it very quick or i do and mm-hmm. so yeah i don't and i i have like a fear of being addicted to anything drugs yeah. like substances you know and we have a history of some not great stuff in my family line so i'm just like no i you know what i'm good i'll just i'll just take it occasionally <laughs> and yeah. even if i've like uh done twice in a row or something and i'm like hey done I'm, I'm now i can't have it for at least a week and i just have to like ride out if i have anxiety i just ride it out but yeah anyways yeah. Um, well, is I there wanted, any? 
Well, yeah, I did want to just loop back because I know you wanted to talk about the jealousy and the protective bubble. Like oh, that was actually that's right. Wanted, yes. So I wanted to close off there. with that. Is yes. Okay. Like, you can actually feel. Um, so Tanya was asking me about this and I, I have a different sort of perspective. I, if I'm in my good state, like, you know, there's been, you guys have been hearing me refer to it, but there's been stuff going on for me since July and it's left me pretty vulnerable and open. And so I have let in, uh, people who, uh, I normally wouldn't and, and, and allowed things, boundaries to be crossed that did feel like jealousy, did feel like competition and, I didn't know how to deal with it other than to just look the other way. But mm -hmm. I don't think that would have happened to me before. But um, normally I just believe I'm always protected and I believe the best in everybody. But there was a thing you saw, the the white light guy. Um, mm -hmm. So I might have to incorporate that until I get back to my badass self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Like your default settings are being recalibrated. And so they're a little bit... Uh, my, my like almost like vulnerable <laughs> you know what it's going in my head as and probably is just a metaphor but it's like flickering which means like so you're say your your automatic settings are that you are running this like sphere of you know light or protective energy around you at all times that's the autopilot settings and because that you are going through a system upgrade and system challenges it's recalibrating but it's sort of like flickering and glitching and so there are things that can get through when the the light is like flickering because yeah. it's it like it's like a weaker system but when it's done when you're done with your upgrade and that there's no flickering you'll probably have a better bubble than you had before yeah i i know it's coming back I, like i can actually feel it even mm. since this kind of thing happened mm -hmm. I'm like yep I feel the energy back I feel everything is kind of complete and back to where we trust each other where where you know like uh where things kind of seem to get kind of oh yuck feeling and yeah. now that this has happened it's like yes I'm back into this is a safe place for me to be everyone here is safe and um yeah I feel it already coming back for sure so the TikTok I saw that Mel's referencing, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's essentially this this guy just said um that, you know, automatically when you wake up every morning, you should be visualizing this sphere of white light around yourself. And that's kind of like how you should be approaching your day to keep your energy clear and um protected and just to kind of like come full circle back to our jealousy and envy conversation, something I don't think we fully got into was just talking about how that energy of jealousy and envy can be impactful because we are technically kind of like sending that out in a direction. So if I'm jealous of Mel, that's an energy I'm directing to Mel. And now I'm not doing that maliciously. I'm not doing it to be cruel or mean or it's not intentional it's just how I'm feeling and it's it's real and it's true. So it is becoming an energy directed at her. So if she has her bubble and it's all intact, then then my energy is not going to affect her. But if we've got weaker energy or nothing, because I think some people's default setting is nothing. Yeah. Like I think I have a default setting of having a barrier. You have a default setting of having a barrier. I think some people do not have a default setting of a barrier. So then you'd be want to you would want to create that barrier intentionally until it feels like it is a default setting. And so those of you that feel like you're very susceptible to other people's 
um, emotional states, or if like you just, you know, walk into the room and you know, someone's feeling off, that would be an indicator to me that your bubble is not, <laughs> is <Yeah>. not, <laughs> you because you you need to feel your feelings. Like, what is this making me feel like right now? Like, I think we can get caught up in, oh, this person's doing this and in turn it's yeah. making me feel that way. But it's like, no, what, how, so this person's having this, how is that, like, how, what emotions is that bringing up in you? Well, it's a glorious way to yeah. like emotionally bypass and not 100%. have to be accountable for your own stuff yeah. because you're oh, like, yeah. oh, like even when this one, and this one's really hard. If you're I think partner, people bond over this too, which is kind of oh. weird. Well, it's just natural. Yes, yeah. humans. We <laughs> no, just... like weird in a natural way, but it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. It's like, why are we bonding over this weird thing? It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, but one of the, a really strong example, and this one's actually challenging, but if your partner is really grumpy and then all of a sudden it makes you grumpy, it's really like, that's an example of like how mm. you're really, because your partner should be allowed to be grumpy with you around. If you're a truly safe space. Yeah. Then it goes you back sh- to inner child stuff, right? If you were never 100%. allowed to be grumpy as a child, you're yes. going to get triggered as fuck. Yeah. 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 Cause like, how dare you, you know, <laughs> how dare you, how dare you be anything but blissful around me? <laughs> um, anyways, so yeah, I just talked about that. So if you feel like you are really susceptible to other people's emotional states or you're really vulnerable to, uh, influence, inf- emotional influence or energetic influence, then that's something you're going to want to work on is creating that emotional or sorry, that energetic boundary, um, and practicing like lifting and bending that. So, and I'll say this for, um, myself as someone who I would say I have a little bit more of that boundary on, uh, sometimes I do have to be a bit more intentional about it, but I would say there's like a, definitely like a default setting running there. Um, but when, so I have to feel, I have to do an intentional inquiry. So if I, if I'm, if I maybe pick up my subconscious or something in my brain picks up on a cue, then I would send out like almost like an energetic inquiry, like, are you okay? And then be like, oh, they're not okay. Kind of a thing. So um, it, uh, I also run the risk of looking not very empathetic at times because if I don't send out the energetic feelers, sometimes I miss cues, but that's again, cause I'm, I've got the boundary up. So I double-edged sword there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm still I, learning, but I'm yeah. learning on the flip. I'm learning on the like, Sometimes my energetic boundary is a little too strong. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. there is a... I think be, being emotionally responsible for other people is a big task. And it's not one that we should teach people how to to say how they feel. And mm-hmm. that was one thing I was going to say, like for you guys, if you do do a white light or you have a boundary, the kind of fun thing is, is that if someone is sending you shit energy, it's like you're... I have a big butt. It's like you're taking your butt and going, bang! Yeah. sending Point. it right on back <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it, you don't even notice it and I think that that's so infuriating for people who mm. are experiencing those feelings and I hope in like in the, the highest form of humanity I hope that they then take that real triggering feeling and do the work because <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's not um it's not gonna go away so do the butt swoop and send it on out for the most part i i think that that's how we should be and then if someone is having feelings comes you know we can always have conversations but yeah all this reading into stuff even if you are empathic woo, because we read through our own lens right we're all still 
resolving our own projections. Yeah. So real honest conversations about how we're feeling or is the best way to handle jealousy. Do we want to leave off on that? Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Mystics and Broomsticks podcast. You can reach out to us at Mystics and Broomsticks on Instagram. Our email is mysticsandbroomsticks at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can get in touch with Mel or I specifically. Melanie is the Melanie Dawn. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. I got it. This time I always get it. And then at uh, Tanya Ryan XO. Peace in. Peace out.